Hello, this is Renee Jane, and today we'll be mapping power on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Renee Jane. Renee helps you analyze, feel, and find the places that need healing, and then shows you step-by-step how to build your new home for yourself. Renee is part intellectual analyst and part healer of people. She focuses on your physical body, emotional health, nervous system, and mental and spiritual growth. She notices every detail of something, analyzes the integrity, organizes thoughts, and puts things into alignment, inspiring your inner self-healer and addresses what's most real for you right now. Renee leads people from repeating what they already know and helps them experience what they haven't yet mastered. Renee, what a delight to reconnect with you. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so thrilled and honored to be here. I'm excited about this topic, Renee. We're talking about power, something I know you've been exploring in your work and maybe other aspects of your life. Can you define what power means to you? Oh, yes. This topic has been like a professional and personal journey of sourcing the inner power, which feels a lot more like a transformative experience of owning our shadow and our highest self and our body. Like, so it's this a physical, emotional, spiritual, mental conversation about this through line of power that lives in us. So it's complex. (laughs) (laughs) It's complex. And hopefully we get to explore that. I mean, I was thinking about this, Renee. I was thinking like we associate power with something masculine, something I'm going to say ugly. And I think when I reached out to you, I may have shared that I think we were there together at a business-oriented conference, and we did this personality profile, and mine came back as my top two were power and prestige, and I felt horrible. And it took (laughs) years and years and years for me to own what that meant because my associations were really negative with both of those words. Yeah. I have found in my experience that like a habituated 
high level of internalized stress from our childhood has us in a bit of a stress response around the idea of power in general. In all of my childhood, I had to fight and kind of deal with people who tried to control or assert power over me. And so I have found that power had kind of a weird connotation and I didn't even understand the context of really what it meant. Yeah. So like our response, right? Like our response then is to want to be anything but that. And in the process, are we potentially forfeiting parts of ourselves? Absolutely. And the converse to it. I believe that we also become more dominating and more controlling. You know, it's a false sense of power. You know, it's a psychological block in a lot of ways because we have this aspect of superiority on one hand, and then we have this other aspect of, you know, maybe victim to it. I become weak if somebody is too powerful and I hide or isolate. And then some people do the opposite. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you find that this is different based on our backgrounds, whether they have to do with our gender or our race or socioeconomic status or geographical origins? Is there a different relationship to power that you've seen with your clients and audience? Yeah. I mean, it's like this underlying, I want to just call it trauma, although I know that word's overused and it's kind of, it's very broad, but it really is about somebody's experience of their life. I mean, there's so many different imbalances that can result from trauma. And so based on whatever our experience we had, we're going to view power differently. We're going to view desire differently. I think it's all from this lens of where we came from. And that's what makes this conversation to me so interesting because, you know, I think when you said, what's the definition of power? I mean, I gave it my best shot, but frankly, there's, it's really defined by the person. But I, what I like about power is that it's got a shadow side and it also has a, a more kind of light side to it. And that both of them are equally as important to look at or analyze and understand because they're all fueling how we source power, whether it be in our body or mentally or emotionally. Mm, So let's dive into some of those concepts. So when you think about powers, shadow and powers, light, how do you speak into that with the people you're working with? Well, the first thing I got to say this, because for me, the only reason I can sit here today confidently speaking to you about power is because I lost my power or I didn't know I had it. Maybe that's a better way to put it. You brought this conversation up of when we met at that different situation where there's the thing that said you were powerful, right? And I had my own things. It wasn't until later in life where I took another one of those kinds of quiz test things and it talked about how I wouldn't realize how powerful I was until later in life. And it really resonated because I didn't know how powerful I was, for lack of a better word. And I felt a lot of people were irritated by me or they didn't want to hear me. And I didn't understand why. And I can see that other people sensed the power within me and didn't know what to do with it. And that power, when it was pure, it came from a place of presence and connection. 
And I have basically been so lost and out of my power and imbalanced in my life, like in greed and out of integrity. And I've manipulated, I've looked for validation outside of myself. I've betrayed others. I've tried to dominate over others in conversation. I've, I've kind of like looked at so much of the crap <laughs> that I could see where that was not actually power and I believed it to be. Yeah. And that's some of the shadow and recognizing it. Is that a part of stepping into the light of what power can be? Yeah, I mean, it's the part of us that recognizes, and this is how I like to put it, that we can be enslaved by our power if we don't look at where it's cunning. I'll give you a simple example because this is a really interesting through line for me. Like, part of our core power is around mitochondria, frankly, (laughs) it's literally in our cells. So, we have this wonderful power in our physical body. And I think from my experience, it's really when I lost touch with the connection of my physical body, it was very hard for me to be in power around my emotions or even around my beliefs or my mindset and definitely connected to a spiritual power that was not necessarily one in integrity. And everyone's different around what spirituality is. But when we seek outside of ourselves. It's often because at the root, we're disconnected from our physical body and we're looking outside of ourselves to find power out there. There was a client I spoke to, I'll just share briefly this morning, just right before this call. And he was talking about, it was profound, you know, how he's learning through our work to create his own energy from internal versus reactionary. So it's like there's reactionary power where we get it from out there. And then they're self-sourced and they're different. Yeah, that right there is very powerful to think about, <laughs> right, right? Like just really yeah. the power in that. And I see this so much, Renee, in a patient population, giving their power over to somebody who's going to give them the answers to what's going on, as opposed to where it might live within themselves, or I should say in addition to where it might live within themselves, but also in the thousands of coaches and clinicians I've been able to train in the last few years, it's phenomenal how much as we are trying to build our way and find our voice, we are looking for validation outside instead of what we know fuels us. It's trusting in a way that fire that burns within us, that part that you were talking about where you felt like you scared people or it was awkward, but it was in you. And how do you gain or reconnect, gain a relationship with that source? Yeah, I was just holding that as you're saying. And I mean, I imagine you see this all the time. And I have also where we've given away our power and it's to outside sources that we just believe know better you know, what brought to mind is like when I really changed my life with nutrition and health and continued to obviously, but you know, that pivotal moment is when I was on all those medications and I was so sick and I didn't have a menstrual cycle anymore. I had no period. And I was like at my wits end thinking, how can I be so young and have all these issues? 
And I went to that doctor who did the best they could, but basically they were just like, here's another prescription. I got angry. And that anger really gets a bad rap in our culture, but it is a very powerful emotion for transformation. And so when used properly, it really leads us to sourcing the internal power that we're speaking about because it comes from drawing a line and saying, I got myself. I'm not going to seek out there for answers anymore. I know that the power lives within me. And yes, I'll need help and I'll need support. But I know that at my core, I got me. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a shift in our expectations of who and where we find some of the answers to source our power. Yeah. I mean, I have found that a lot of people I speak to, for example, who have autoimmune issues tend to not be really grounded in their own body sovereignty. It's just a theme. Same with, you know, like endometriosis is a lot of like giving away power or other female related issues and thyroid Sometimes for me, I see, and I, by the way, had this situation myself, and I know it's a very specific area for you. So I'd love to hear like all of these are, but that is like taking away our own power. We use our voice to sabotage and belittle ourselves versus speak and the self-expression piece there. And part of that for me was understanding an imbalance with my own kind of addictive behaviors, whether that be addictive to my thoughts or to sugar or food or even work, people, (laughs) you know, drama, all of those things. Because when we understand this imbalance of the addictions, it's not something that makes us bad. It's just like, okay, this is a part of where I take from myself and I don't invest in myself. And then we start to understand how much of our power is at our disposal that's just kind of been unrecognized. It's like it's always been there. (laughs) Yeah. And what are the relationships that we find ourselves in, some that we can have some control over and some that we can't, whether it be let's say with a medical provider we have to rely on or a place of work that we are reliant on or a family situation that we're tied to. There are going to be relationships that are this gift that keep on giving. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Where we're going to find our power taken away over and over and over again. And I think it's that The anger leads to the awareness, that anger you were speaking of, that helps to hone the muscle that I believe can be a part, a portion of how we reignite that power. But I want to hear how you help people find their way there. Like, What do we do knowing that we're speaking to clinicians who may be scared to have this conversation, but recognize this is happening, or maybe not even recognize it's (laughs) happening, but we want them to recognize like this is a part of the underlying dysfunction that's happening within the body. Yeah. So the first thing I got to say is that as clinicians, we must do this work. We must do this work. For ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it's not like a one and done. Like, I do this work every day in some capacity and I have mentors and community, thank God that helped me. Like (laughs) when I feel like it's that responsibility that's needed because otherwise 
if we don't see it within ourselves, when somebody else has it come up, we will not be able to recognize it. And then the part that's so important is showing people the capacity that we have to hold multiple perspectives so that they need to feel like they can be held in everything with you, that you can have opinions, of course, but that there's space for them to show up in that kind of really wounded childlike place and say like everything that needed to always be said. Because what's required is for you to hold the multiple perspectives of, we'll just call it for simple sake, like the wounded child that has a lot of beliefs and fears that are very, very specific. And we might call it the shadow, but this is part that shows up to a relationship in a conversation. And then there's the adult self that shows up and the adult self is very much more confident and a self-assured. Rational. Rational. (laughs) (laughs) But without their awareness of the shadow and the inner child, this adult will show up much more egoically and superior and in a way that is blinded by their own imbalances. And then there's this third aspect of us that is much more open and allowing of new information to come like, okay, I'm a student. Maybe there's something new to learn here. And then there's another part, maybe even a fourth part that holds the action and the strategy behind, okay, so what needs to happen with all of this information? And, you know, no one's perfect at any of this, but what we're doing is we're holding these multiple perspectives, like, okay, all of these parts of you are coming to the party. (laughs) And if all of them are there and all of them are acceptable, I'm not suggesting that people who have super traumatic experiences with people do this work with somebody that they don't have a underlying level of trust with, or that they don't feel they can be held in their most uncomfortable ways. I think that's so important. You know, so if you are with somebody in relationship and you feel like, okay, I can let them see my hurt and my shame and my deepest desires, and I can also hold that for them without getting all upset about it, (laughs) then it creates more of an intimacy. And intimacy is to me where a lot of power lives. And, you know, we can't have that when we're rigid and controlling. So much wisdom in what you just shared, Renee. I mean, it makes me think always about the matrix because that's how my brain thinks. And also where we get triggered by what and how somebody we're working with might be sharing and to recognize and do the work around the dance of the relationship. And you and I do slightly different work in that I don't necessarily want to be in the fullness of the emotional experience, but it's still my job to recognize and hold it and make room for it and make sure they're supported in that area. And this is why most people need, who are chronically ill, need a team because we need to make room for all the parts of the healing. And if we're overriding some of the work that needs to be done at that deep triggered arena, what I'm hearing from you is like, healing's not going to happen. Yeah. What came to me was for all of us who are pointing fingers at the false power structures, they only will start to dissipate when we can understand 
and see very objectively the false power structures like greed and lack of integrity and our ways of separating, manipulating, all of that. We have to see that in ourselves. And it's not always easy work. It's never suggested. (laughs) I don't think that it's easy, but it's almost like a different perspective of, oh, wait, all these kind of triggering bosses or energies or relationships that I need to work through, that on the other side of that experience is me really stepping into my true power. You know how the culture manipulates the words a lot, but it's like empath versus narcissist. And, you know, but like, if I'm really honest, the people in my life who I felt were the most narcissistic that I had the most trauma response from and emotional abuse from, in order to survive that relationship, I really had to find a narcissistic part of me. And not speaking about the mental health disorder, just that all humans have narcissism. And that by me facing that own narcissism in in those really hard relationships is really where I learned to step into my authentic power and voice. And I'm still learning, of course, but we all have those big relationships that (laughs) we've had to learn. And so I don't know if it's a service sometimes to point fingers and say, that person's narcissistic. It's like, okay, yes, we can do that for a while, but then at some point, we need to look in how that is showing up within ourselves, maybe differently, but it's in there. Yeah. I mean, my big takeaway, and I feel like we could talk for hours about yeah, this, I know. my <laughs> brain is just going in a million places. But my big takeaway is that in order to find power, we need to shift the attention. And I love that you brought up the mitochondria because it's like we have to shift the intention way down deep inside instead of at that external finger pointing. Yeah. I feel like it starts there. I mean, it, to me, that's been the commonality always in this work is that it really starts with our physical body. And so much of us want to like open our third eyes or we want to get all intellectual <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm like a biggest analyst. So I like to analyze and look at the numbers and the data. And, <laughs> you know, this is my work because I have resisted my physical body for most of my life. I didn't want to start there. And so it does. And then it helps us to, when we have that sovereignty in the body to have a much more balanced, harmonized perspective on what power is emotionally and mentally and externally. Mm, Perfect note to end on, Renee. Thank you so much for sharing what you're exploring in your own life and with your clients. It really is powerful. I really appreciate the conversation. (laughs) I do too. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. 
We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.